Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Special Report podcast series in association with Indigast. Today I have with me Neelima Mahajan from Forbes India. Hi Neelima, it's great to have you here. Thank you, Abhishek. Pleasure speaking to you. This uh, fortnight's uh, special report that you've worked on is on executive education that covers uh, advanced management program. Well, that's something in Lehman's terms, that's something that a company does to train its senior managers and CEOs. So what was the objective of your special report and uh, why was it so imperative that you bring out a story like this in Forbes India? Sure, you must have seen in the special report an AMP is a huge investment. It costs anywhere between 10000 to $60,000 depending on the length of the program. So right. if you go for a week, it might be as low as 10000 but if you go for four weeks or eight weeks, it could be $60,000. Now, if a company is spending that kind of money on an AMP, it has to be money well spent, and it has to be a very well thought out decision. Right. But that's where we realized the problem was. While companies were sending senior executives for AMPs, there really was no definitive source of information on these programs. So that's the gap we are trying to fulfill here Mm -hmm. by not just covering issues related with AMPs, Mm -hmm. but also providing useful information that an HR head or a CEO or a potential candidate Mm -hmm. would typically need to know before they choose the right AMP. So that's what we're trying to do. Ah. Can you explain with your experience that you've spoken to companies, what is the reason for employees or for people to choose an expensive program like an AMP? How different will they be in the couple of months that they spend in the classroom? Uh, Abhishek, typically people choose to go for an AMP at significant transition points in their career. So you could have someone, you know, who's gone up a very focused career path all this while, so he might be from a technical domain. But now he needs to transition perhaps to a broader more senior level leadership role in perhaps a region, a function or a business opportunity. In some cases, we've also seen that companies themselves need to undergo a significant transition. Right. Uh, for instance, one of the conversations we've had is with uh, Ajay Piramal of Piramal Enterprises. He chose to go to the Harvard AMP at, at the time when India was liberalizing. He realized that, you know, in the post-liberalization world, the company needs to have a very different mindset. But so far, it was just focused on India, and they really didn't understand what it took to have a global mindset. Mm -hmm. So that's why he went to Harvard to really understand how global companies function Mm -hmm. and what changes he needs to bring about in his own organization. And also, I think nowadays there are courses which are very customized. If someone has to do a merger or an acquisition, so that there are companies which send their top management to do a course on M&As. So Abhishek, that's not really, you know, a customized course as Uh such. There are AMPs today that have brought in a degree of customization within the program structure. There are primarily two business schools which are doing this. Uh, One is MIT and one is Booth School of Business at University of Chicago. Uh So what they really allow you to do is, you know, you come to campus and you do a couple of core modules. Uh But then along the way, uh, you tailor the rest of the AMP according to your requirement or your company's requirement. For instance, at Booth School of Business, one of the uh, electives is on mergers and acquisitions. There's another one on finance for executives. So you might have chosen the finance module earlier on, but then your company is going in for a merger. And midway, you decide to make that mid-course correction and say, you know, this would be more topical in my context. So you right. take the second elective, which is on m Right. So, so the point I'm trying to make here is that schools are trying to be as flexible as they can 
uh, in letting you tailor the AMP to your requirement as well as to your company's context and requirement. Now, with all that the school offers and the charges that the companies have to pay for sending their employees there, would any of this be measurable? Because, for instance, leadership, how does one measure or is there any return of investment that you think there is after your interactions with, with companies? Is this measurable? Uh, Abhishek, well, uh, it's very strange that everyone talks of the ROI on an AMP, uh -huh. but everyone also agrees that there really is no way to measure it. So most of the HR heads we've spoken to say that it's foolish to even try and attempt a measurement. So what we're really saying is, you know, at the end of the day, the AMP has to fulfill certain critical needs. It has to, for instance, plug some key gaps in behaviors or it has to give you new ideas. So what we're saying is if the AMP has helped you in that sense, if it's given you new ideas or a new way of thinking mm -hmm. or it's helped correct your behavior, we would consider that it has been effective, that the investment has been worth our while. And the other thing really about, you know, measuring the effectiveness of the AMP is that, you know, the results of an AMP may not be visible immediately after the program is over and the candidate has returned to his organization. It is quite possible that the results start showing up after, you know, three or four years, for instance, when a company is trying to implement a huge change. That might be the point where, you know, the learning that happened during the AMP starts to play up. At the end of the day, trying to measure effectiveness may not be a great idea. That's true. So it's far more intangible when it comes to direct returns. Uh, so like you mentioned, perhaps uh, three years later, a guy who has studied for three months in MIT might just plug one of his lessons there and apply it. So the, sure. the benefit could be over a protracted period of time. Sure. Uh, any interesting findings that you have found in the course of the research for your story as to how differently are these programs conducted? Because a, a normal MBA is conducted mostly in a classroom with case studies, etc. But for a 35-year-old at a high level in an organization, the same might not work. Abhishek, that's a very interesting point that you mentioned because that's what has come up in our conversations uh, with program directors again and again mm -hmm. uh, during the course of this special report. The thing that really struck me was the amount of innovation happening in AMP programs across schools. A lot of the emphasis is now shifting away from in-class learning through lectures and case studies to learning outside the classroom. So if a Harvard sticks to a case study approach, there is a Columbia Business School visit at the other end. And what they're trying to do is really use New York City as a laboratory for the AMP. Mm -hmm. So participants get to learn from a jazz band in Harlem. Mm -hmm. um, they try and understand communication through symbols from the chief curator at the Frick Museum, for instance. Mm -hmm. And this is happening across schools. So in UK at uh, Ashridge Business School, mm -hmm. a professional poker player from Las Vegas has been hired to teach risk management. So he actually <laughs> grabs some poker tables into the classroom uh -huh. and makes everyone play and then explains the concept. Similarly, professional actors are dragged into the classroom and they play the role of difficult employees and participants, of course, don't know this and they face a tough time trying to, you know, uh -huh. win them over. And these things are taken very, very seriously. So when Wharton does a rowing exercise, it is supervised by an Olympic gold medalist. So... Schools are going to great extent to build, you know, this kind of experiential learning in the AMP programs. Very interesting examples. In fact, companies too are opening up to such uh, experiences because I remember not very long ago, I don't know the name of the investment bank, but they, they were hiring chess players because 
of the perceived notion that a, a good chess player knows how to react to 10 steps ahead. Sure. Sure. So, so these things have started happening. Also, apart from the, the special report that will go in print, I understand that there is an initiative that has been taken by Forbes India online. Could you tell us more about that initiative? Uh, Abhishek, what we're really doing is we've got something that we call the AMP Clinic. So what we've done is we've got two very, very respective names in the world of business and business schools to host this AMP clinic. So one of the people is Robert Bergerman, a Stanford Graduate School of Business, and he heads the AMP program there. He's a very well-renowned academic, and uh, he's worked very, very closely with Andy Grove of Intel. Uh -huh. um, the second person is Adam Kingle of London Business School, and he's also heading the AMP program there. So what they'll do is, over the course of two weeks, they will field queries from readers um, who want to know more about the AMP or whether or not it suits them in their career context. So they will help our readers with their responses, with their evaluation. So how does this work? I'm sorry to cut you in, but if, if I'm, sure. uh, I'm online, so will I be chatting with the person? Will, will there be a web chat or will there be comments or a discussion board? How does that work? Uh, Abhishek, these are very, very busy people and they're working across time zones, so a uh, live chat may not be possible. So what we're doing is uh, we'll be serving as an interface. Uh -huh. So readers can write to us with their queries, their problems, and we will be forwarding them to both of them uh -huh. and getting their responses and publishing them online. Great. Great. And is there a booklet or some information that your article also provides where in one page I get a summary of a few things of what the big B schools are doing around and how different they are? Uh, so Abhishek, what we've tried to do is we've uh, tried to collate all the useful data around the AMT and offer it to our readers. So we have a list of about 25 business schools across North America, mm -hmm. Europe, Asia and Australia. So we've asked the schools to provide us useful information on, you know, the kind of programs they offer, the duration of the program, the cost, essentially any information that would be useful to an HR head who looks at it at a glance and he wants to, you know, narrow down on maybe three or four mm -hmm. AMPs where right. he'll send his employees. So he can pick up his criteria, he can look at cost, for instance, and choose the four AMPs that would suit him mm -hmm. uh, and then zero in on the right one. So this listing would be a very useful resource mm -hmm. to HR heads, CEOs, and future participants. So they can look at it, and in one go, they can decide what are the four or five schools that fall in their frame of reference. That's great. As I see it, as a, as a normal reader, there is a little bit of uh, something for maybe a company or an HR or me as a general reader, and also the ones who have to probe more, they can go online. So best yeah. of luck with, with the online bit that will start very soon, I guess, in, in, a, in a couple yeah. of days or so. Yes. That's we great. We should be able to kick it off on Monday, I think. Oh, that's great. But thanks a lot, Neelima, for your time. It was great having you. Thank you, Abhishek. And for all you listeners out there, you can get this podcast on the homepage of Forbes India, that is business.in.com, as well as theindicast.com. That's about it. Bye-bye.